0: Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. Welcome back to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. A special double-sized episode of Star Ooh. Trek with Aaron and Polly. It is it is bountiful. That's right. Oh, we are bursting from our, from the seams, Paul. Yeah, see what I did there? Yeah, I did. I caught it. I caught mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I seen it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, have you seen this, uh, this, this new little robot AI thing, Moxie? I have. Um... It's terrifying. I'm fascinated by it. Are you going to get one? Uh, you know, they're designed for kids, right? Yeah, and, but we're a child at heart. <laughs> well, I, I was—I I really actually kind of dove a little deep into it yesterday because I'm—I I am truly just fascinated by the thing. Um, it has a whole—you uh, know—kind of coming alive function uh, when you first launch it. You know, where it kind of bonds with your child. Um, and then it has a subscription service because everything has a goddamn goddamn. You yeah, have subscription to keep making service. money, right? Right, because the unit itself is going to cost you as much as a high end iPad. It's like a sixteen hundred dollar robot, mm-hmm. um, and then the ongoing subscription, however much that is. Well, you know
1: what's funny? I'm looking at so if, for anyone interested in what we're talking about. Um, there, the website is embodied.com cuz that's not terrifying <laughs> um, and the the it's it's a 1500 dollars price tag plus i'm sure um Max. tax yeah but it well, includes a lifetime subscription so i'm wondering I'm, what's the point in in having a subscription if the purchase of moxie includes a lifetime subscription
0: oh, um, but it's got all of these you, know, you continue to unlock different functionality every day so the more you use it the more stuff you get and you know like like you said part of this is terrifying right because it feels yeah. like moxie is you know just going to be capturing all of your information through your kids Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I want one for me. I want one that's not engineered to kids. I want one that's engineered for adults. I want <laughs> I one thought to you're be- gonna say that's engineered to kill. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. You, you know, I, 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 uh, I would really love one of these that you know, because the Moxie is very much designed, or at least it's marketed as a learning tool. You know, it's got you know uh, things you know to help your child. You know. Uh, Talk about his feelings and, you know, uh, develop, you know, his or her, uh, you know, personality and morals and ethics, you know, our technology, Mm -hmm. teaching our children ethics, again, not terrifying at all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's very instructional. It's like, you know, it's like the robot public television would build, right? And I, what I really want is something that's designed for me, much like my Deadpool talking head, you know, <laughs> that is, that, that is interactive with me and, you know, bitches with me about work, <laughs> <laughs> you know, is sarcastic, is crass, you know, I, I, really what I'm asking for is a robot, Paul. That's what I'm looking for, Paul.
1: That's what I want.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I want a robot, Paul.
1: I mean, if I could just be a robot, that would be the preference.
0: <laughs> you know um, – I mean, I need my – I need to be able to come home from work, talk about something that really upset me, you know, and Robot Paul says, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Robot Paul. I agree. So, so the, the programming can't be too hard, right? <laughs> there's not a but, There's not a big logic tree there, you know. Human state's problem, robot Paul's response. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs>
1: you know, I have a couple of thoughts about Moxie. Uh huh. One, Megan is now available on Peacock if you're a
0: Peacock subscriber. Uh huh. Um, you really are pushing this Peacock thing. Well, you know, it's not trying to make uh, Peacock happen, Paul.
1: <laughs> literally, the description of Moxie is the description of Megan. Right. Um, you know, and, and and it didn't go so well in that movie. So, yeah, I'm just saying the timing is awfully suspect. (laughs) Um, On top of that, earlier this week, Elon Musk and other technology leaders, including Steve Wozniak, have signed an open letter warning that um, that we're requesting to suspend training of AI systems amidst fears of a threat to humanity. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like Skynet and Megan any day now. Any day now. Any perhaps, day now. perhaps the Terminator is Megan, and we don't even know. It
0: could be, could be. But you know, if you know, if we get more of a Terminator television series where Summer Glau is the is the Terminator, I'm down with that. Yeah, it's okay. okay. Yeah, hey, what I'm was
1: the fine. AI in uh, season two of Discovery? Oh, Control. Control. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing I'm, with control. I'm less interested in
0: control. <laughs> Significantly
1: less interested <laughs> yeah. in control.
0: Because you know Summer Glau, Terminator, she's all bendy. I'm I'm down for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah sign me up for yeah. for that or for whatever the whoever played the Terminator in Terminator Three:
0: Rise of the Machines.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm good with all that.
0: Yeah, you're you're down with we are down with the sexy lady Terminators. Yes. But you can you can keep all that Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator to yourself. I don't know. I mean. Are you down for sexy Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> Terminator, Paul? I mean,
1: not. Current. I mean,
0: hey, I, I am not Maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1980-something. I am not here to kink shame you, Paul. <laughs> Maybe
1: 1984 Arnold Schwarzenegger, but not 2023 Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh Uh I don't know that anyone's down for 2023, Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: His his indoor donkey is. (laughs) Have you seen him having breakfast with his donkey? Yeah. Donkey standing in his kitchen, eating off his plate. I just, I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on
1: here. <laughs> you know, I um, I used to work for someone, and uh, when I went to Arnold Her- Schwarzenegger, did you work I, for Arnold? Schwarzenegger. I, I did not and you're, you're just
0: not naming Arnold Schwarzenegger because you have an NDA. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe, uh, um, <laughs> but you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's got he's got a, a Siberian husky, he's got a donkey, and he's got a like a. I don't know pony or whatever. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, he's but, got he's got one of those Shetland ponies.
1: That yeah, Lulu, whiskey, and Dutch are the yeah. the names of his animals, and yeah, they uh-huh. they run around the house, they eat off his plate. And they, you know, when when watching them eat off of his plate at the dining room table, made me think about. I used to have a boss, and I you know I went to her house for dinner once, and she fed her dogs off of her own fork. No. So she'd like take a bite. She'd take, she'd take a bite on her fork feed it to the dog, and then she'd eat off of the same fork no yes <laughs> no 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 no
0: that is that is wrong yeah th- this is why the
1: AI will win I'm just that out there
0: you know I I, I I you know love my dogs and it is not unhur- unheard of it's not something I do all the time but it's not unheard of that the dogs might finish my plate. When I'm done, uh, but never are we eating off the same plate simultaneously. <laughs> well, yeah, that is just, ooh. Little did you know that was a possibility this whole time. That is just wrong. That is just wrong. <laughs> You're right. That is that is how the AI will get us. hmm <laughs> Come on. I
1: mean, I, I, I feel like
0: perhaps the AI should get us. Yeah.
1: That's <laughs> how I feel about this.
0: Well, you know, my dachshund, Elmer... Uh, spends much of the weekends foraging in the backyard. And, you know, at any given time, you will find a slaughterhouse of lizards across the backyard where he has just murdered lizard after lizard. And, you know, he has a decided tint of lizard to his breath <laughs> because he eats a lot of them that's horrifying. It, it is it is and you know one time i was walking out in the backyard and i saw him i saw these legs poking out of his mouth and i'm like drop it Elmer! drop it Elmer!" and he starts just gulping it down even faster
1: <laughs> no no it's, it's le-
0: <laughs> no it's mine it's mine it's my, it's my delicious lizard yeah
1: you can't take it from me that's right
0: that's ah, right okay elmer yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is all about eating the lizards. I mean, seriously, I'll go out there today, and I will. I will find probably no fewer than five dead lizards strewn across the deck that he oh, has so murdered. You'll
1: find them in the house. There's that.
0: Well, I, I will say he doesn't generally bring them in the house. He's just he's he's nice like that. Uh, it. Yeah, not generally. Not generally. Not generally. He, he has done it before. But when like it comes him, to partic- dinner,
1: he, he prefers it um, al fresco.
0: He does. He does like to dine al fresco. So, yeah. But every now and again, if he's got one that's particularly fresh, he'll bring it in, still wriggling at the corners of his mouth. Oof. He's he is he is a lizard murderer. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, before we jump into our uh, two Star Trek episodes...
1: Oh, yeah. Did you know you were listening to a Star Trek podcast? You may
0: not. Well, I I hoped our conversation about AI, you know, was sufficiently Star Trek adjacent. I mean, I brought up Control, and I brought it around. Yeah, Yeah, you brought it around. You brought it around. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we went a little off the rails with our Schwarzenegger conversation. No. uh, Yeah. Did I tell you (laughs) before... uh, One more thing about AI. You know, I've been playing with the AI... uh, uh, art programs. And so I started telling it, you know, show me U.S. presidents as Star, Starfleet officers in Star Trek or show you as characters in Star Trek. And so, you know, it gave me Abraham Lincoln, it gave me George Washington, it gave me uh, both of the Bushes, gave me Bill Clinton, gave me Joe Biden. And I was very amused by the take on Donald Trump because <laughs> it gave me it gave me Donald Trump as a couple of as Starfleet officers. But of them all, he's the only one that the A.I. gave me as a, 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 a U.S. president as a Ferengi. Yeah. And as a Klingon. And I was <laughs> I was cracking up at both of those. So I just you know fun with AI and that I, AI has a perspective.
1: <laughs> <laughs> AI is a, it has a political opinion, and I'm just saying. Going back to our earlier conversation, I fear like it's becomes sentient.
0: Yeah, terrifying. This what do they call that? The uh, it's not the anomaly. It's the there's a term for it where where AI becomes sentient. Oh,
1: um, I feel like that's just what we call it when the AI becomes sentient. Again? Judgment Day. <laughs> Judgment Day? Judgment Day. ta That's,
0: that's kind of <laughs> what I call it. <laughs> ah, good stuff. Okay, so Star Trek news this week. Oh. Yeah. We heard that Strange New Worlds has been, you know, before Strange New Worlds Season 2 has even debuted, it has been renewed for a third season. So very exciting to hear that. Yeah, it means they have a lot of faith in that second season, right? Yeah. You know, I mean,
1: I would... Well, I would think so, right? Because I mean, everyone's cutting back mm-hmm. on, on on streaming well, services right now, but but Paramount's like, no, we're gonna we're, gonna, we're committed to another season of this.
0: That was certainly my concern with all the cutbacks in streaming right now. I'm like, man, you, I think this golden age of Star Trek is about to come to a terrible, terrible end, right? You know, because right as we're finally getting you know something great in Picard. You know something that that's better than all the other Star Treks of this modern era. I was like, oh man, this is just going to be it. They're going to shut the door. And so it was very heartening to hear that Strange New world has been picked up for season three, mm-hmm. and particularly you know that disco. You know, we already knew that disco this next season is its last. Which yay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we what was it? Uh, Lower Decks has been picked up for a fifth season.
1: Yeah. And both of the next seasons will be premiering this summer. So Star Trek Strange New Worlds will be premiering Thursday, June 15th, and uh, Lower Decks will be premiering late summer 2023. They haven't given an official date, but I'm assuming it'll probably either overlap the last few weeks of uh, Strange New Worlds or perhaps premiere right after.
0: So we're going to have, you know, by the time Picard ends, we'll have about a month and a half, almost two months of, you know, no new Trek uh, before Strange New World starts, but I, I'm excited about that. I'm, yeah. I am uh, I, eager for the next season of Strange New Worlds. Uh, still no word, no official word, on what uh, Terry Metalis is calling Star Trek Legacy, yep. uh, which would be a continuation of the uh, Star Trek universe in the 25th century. So it would be possibly our, you know, uh, crews from Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Next Generation... Uh, you know, continuing their stories forward, but yeah, no especially
1: news. a spin-off of what we are seeing in Picard season three right, right now with some of those characters. So yeah. I, I think that would be the show folks are most excited about, especially oh, yeah. after this Picard. So it's going to happen. They just haven't officially announced it yet, but
0: I think you're right. I think, you know, the, the encouraging signs that we've seen in strange new worlds and lower decks, I think that is a, a big cue that we've got a Star Trek legacy announcement coming. Plus, we did hear there there was some there was some conversation about miniseries uh, that the Star Trek shop is considering. So we may hear some things about that too.
1: Yeah, you know the one of the, the other thing we that was mentioned in that announcement um, of Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, even though it was not in the title and it was at the bottom of the article, is that Star Trek Prodigy is also coming back for a season two this winter. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: did you ever finish the first season uh n- I skipped a couple of episodes and went straight to the finale, and I've got to say I, I I don't remember much about the finale, and that was probably because I was drinking a lot of scotch at <laughs> the time. So I need Watching to go a back and show. Yeah, well, and you know that's my problem is that it do, I get bored by that show mm-hmm. because of it, it is it's not aimed at me. There are things I want to see about it because you know I know that they've got you know Robert Beltran voicing Chakotay in it, and they've got Kate Mulgrew voicing uh, Janeway. So I want to be a of that kind of thing, but I I don't really care about the the main characters in that show.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I I, I watched the first few episodes, and it it was fine. It but it yeah. didn't grab me in the same way as like uh, the Star Wars animated properties have, right. like Clone Wars well, and Rebels.
0: And I think if I was a kid, I'd probably really dig that show. Um, you know, I, I, I get I get that it's not aimed at me. Where you know, I do feel like Star Wars Rebels was aimed in my general direction, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it felt like it was written for a a for both a young audience and a mature audience. Uh, whereas I don't feel like I think Prodigy is straight up a Nickelodeon show.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, and speaking of younger audience. Uh, also announced this week, so we, we aren't even at first contact day. That as of as of the time we record this, I believe that's this Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. So if there are any announcements there, we'll 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 certainly talk about uh, yeah. talk about those in our next episode. But they have announced that Star Trek Starfleet Academy. Has yes. been given a series green light of Paramount Plus now. You and know, you know uh,
0: go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, Paramount has been Paramount and folks around Star Trek have been talking about a Starfleet Academy show since before Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, that's the that's the thing I find amusing is that it's finally happening.
1: Well, maybe. Go ahead. Paul. Right, they've announced it. it it's happening oh, it, in it, the it, same it, way uh, Section 31's happening.
0: No, Paul, it has to happen. They announced it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, one of the things that's not really part of the announcement, but Terry Metalis has revealed um, on his Twitter feed is that this takes place post or in the era of discovery. Yeah. So this is about the rebuilding of Starfleet and the reopened Starfleet Academy that we saw Tilly has gone to, uh, to, to train at or teach at or whatever. Yeah. Um, so. I, and I, so
0: immediately, Paul and I were less interested. Yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> ah.
1: But you know, I think they, they have um, they have shows firmly set in the 25th century,
0: right? You've uh-huh. got your
1: you've got your um, in theory, lower you'll deck. have your Star Trek legacy. You've got your lower decks. You'll also have uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is a prequel. Well, that's uh, a 23rd century. 23rd ship. century, yeah, yeah. So, but I think you 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 know, I, I think Starfleet Academy is a way to continue. The storyline of Disco, but refresh it a bit, mm. perhaps, because they know that in j- because this is Paul conjecture. Uh, so, yeah, the opinions expressed on this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of Paramount. Um, but I feel like Starfleet Academy is a way to refresh the audience that has dropped out of Disco and bring them back in, because I feel like they, they see that a lot of fan base may be leaving Disco in favor of these other shows. Right. Um, and they're like, okay, well, let's wrap up disco, but you know, in order to to still you know keep those creative teams and you know and keep some and keep the audience that is interested in that, you know, we can set something in that era. So I could, I kind of feel like this is where Tilly's going to go.
0: Well, no, absolutely. I think I think that's clear. I I don't understand why they made that move with Tilly, you know. As they did, and why not keep her active at least through the through the prior season? Yeah, right. That uh, makes no sense to me at all, unless the actor herself wanted off the show, you know, for whatever reason, be it to uh, you know uh, work another project, have a kid. I don't know, yeah. but it just seemed weird to me that she a such a a popular character. I mean, you and I love her. Um, I don't understand why they shuffled her off to the side the way they did. Yeah, agreed. But I'm sure we'll hear about it someday. But uh, I, I, am, I am not optimistic about it, about that show, because I just don't like the setting in the 25th century. I don't Sorry, either. Not the 25th, the 31st century. 31st century. century. Yeah. I, I'm not wild about that at all. But it does, going in with low expectations, gives them all the room in the world to come in and dazzle me right and if you've got you know folks on it who are really into star trek and not ashamed of their star trek um maybe they will like you said earn some fans back by doing stuff right you know all of this you know reimagined uh, Klingons and Ferengis and whatnot, you know, I think you I, I I, think we have shown in Star Trek Picard that if you lean in to the original concepts uh, and I know how funny that sounds when, you know, the Klingons were redesigned in the motion picture. But when you lean into these tried and true concepts, fans will respond. Um, you know, fans don't want to see your stupid Klingons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Disco season one looking at you, you know.
1: Yeah. So I mean <clears throat> I'm keeping an open mind, but i I'm certainly less interested than I am in I mean than I would be in a Star Trek Legacy show. Right.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, I I would I, I can see the desire to tell a, a Starfleet Academy show in the thirty first century because, you know, it's it's all a new landscape, mm-hmm. right? Um my problem is the episode that we saw Tilly where she was coaching cadets um was not a great episode. No. But that was filmed during the pandemic. Um sure. and all those pandemic shows are a little weird because the, of how they blocked those shows. Um and so I you know I I like Tilly. I like the actor who pl- who plays Tilly. I like the character. You know, so I'll watch, you know, I just I'm I'm, I'm I I'm just not too optimistic about it. Yeah. So so but it was it, I mean, heavy news week. Right. I mean, a lot, yeah, I mean, in addition,
1: we basically had four seasons of Star Trek. Yeah. Announced within one week. You know, we but we, we we are still waiting on what's coming after Picard. And I feel like they're holding on that because I feel like they know. Yeah. But I feel like they're holding on any type of announcements because they don't want to spoil anything.
0: Well, you know, when we first started talking uh, about the episodes of season three of Picard, and we're just blown away by them, um, I had talked about how you know people that I knew and trusted in uh, the Star Trek. Uh, space had watched the first six episodes and were just like this is fantastic well now i know that they have seen all the way through episode 10 and every single one of them has said they stick the landing oh really i have not yeah. heard anything about that and okay I, and i'm like oh man this is i'm so excited because <laughs> you know we are now uh we've got three episodes left right yeah uh we got eight nine and ten left and i i am i am I am intensely excited to see those last 3 episodes and sad that this journey is about to come to an end because it has been tremendously satisfying. And hey Paul, Yes sir. Let let's talk about the bounty. Yes, which double meaning in the uh the That's title right. of this episode. That's right. Um we get to visit Two great places in in Star Trek, you know they they have created two new things for us to add to uh, the, the 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 world that Star Trek has built over the last almost six decades. We get the Daystrom Institute, mm-hmm. um, named after you know Doctor Daystrom, who you know built the M five supercomputer um, way back in the original series. The the this place is is essentially Star Trek's Area Fifty One, right? You know, it's where we put all of the things that are scary. It it is where we we put the the weapons that are too dangerous, um, all of of that technology that you know we capture and you know no one can see this again. It's just it's it's not ready for prime time, uh, and it was super cool walking through that space oh yeah and
1: all the, the easter eggs including the fact that oh, yeah. somehow the daystrom institute has kirk's body on it
0: well that makes sense right you know they they you, you don't just leave kirk's body land wasn't right. he trapped you know, he, in the nexus or whatever no happened? no he came out of the nexus and wound up on uh trapped under that bridge where he died
1: Oh, that's right? right. The bridge wasn't yeah. in the Nexus. Never mind. Oh, correct. Correct. Okay. So they so, don't you know, they, they,
0: they were there on that planet anyway. You know, recovering. You know, the uh, saucer section that that Riker crash landed. Riker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, so of course you 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 gather up Kirk's body. You have to gather up
1: Kirk's body. Yeah, you know, but part of me. Hmm. This is just a part of me, Aaron. Hmm. I feel like part of me thinks that may not be William Shatner Kirk. I feel like oh, that's too big of an Easter egg to just, like, let... Are you thinking that's Chris Pine's body? No. <laughs> I'm thinking that's New Guy's body.
0: Oh, from Strange New Worlds? From
1: Strange New Worlds. And because he's on they would ice... To, they would have to age that guy up so hard. But
0: would they? In
1: theory, he could just be out of time. He could be frozen and they can send him back to his original time uh-huh. to keep the timeline intact and still have some type of adventures with that guy that don't contradict previous continuity. This is uh, this is some crazy talk here, Paul. Hey, I'm just it's putting it out talk. there. Like you don't you don't drop a, a, a little. I mean, maybe you do drop an Easter egg like that and literally go nowhere with it, but it oh. feels like too big of an Easter egg. And it's not like Shatner's doing it anymore. So I'm like, hmm. They have this actor. We've always you know we've been like, okay, they, they've made it very clear. No, Strange New Worlds is Pike show. So you know how do you have, yeah, you know, some James T Kirk adventure? Well, you pull him out of time and then send him back.
0: Well, you, you know, have
1: so
0: to because it it is, you know, a 60-ish year old uh, William Shatner that died under that bridge, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd have to de-age him? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I just... Uh, I'm not sure that's where the show's going. I and they didn't steal Kirk's body.
1: Well, no. And I don't think it's going to happen in this show. I'm just saying, okay. if that is an Easter egg, it feels like uh-huh. a hell of a wasted Easter egg. Like, okay, well, we've just got Shatner's body on ice.
0: Well, and I, I can understand, and we're going to jump around a little bit. Um, I can understand why you would keep Picard's body. Why Picard's body is uh, worthwhile to keep at the Daystrom Institute? Oh, yeah. And I'll com- I'll come back and talk about that in a second. But I don't understand why you would keep Kirk's body at the Daystrom Institute. Why wouldn't you just you know bury him somewhere? You know, because it's not like he's a mummy or something. He, I, I'm not sure that. Well, and even if he if, if he was, it seems like that's more of a museum piece, right? Yeah than you know keeping him in area 51 whereas it makes all the sense in the world to have picard's body there because picard's body the body that you know he left behind when he transitioned to his golem right his android body um the body that died is full of borg implants and where my head went is you know earlier in the season captain shaw makes the comment that you know uh when Picard was assimilated by the Borg, he was so deadly, he was so horrific, uh, he was so powerful that they gave him a name, right? Mm-hmm. You know that he was he was you know the most awful of the Borg, so they gave him a name. Uh, and I you know where my head went is oh my god, you know the changelings have stolen Picard's body because they're going to build some kind of Borg thing, right? And I think that gets discounted in the Dominion episode. Uh, I think there's a different plan there, but I mean, I was initially like, oh shit, you know, because we had asked the question earlier in the season, you know, it seems like there's a Borg element here, but didn't we resolve all the Borg shit, you know, in the prior season? And so by the time I got to the end of The Bounty, I was like, oh crap, there is a a Borg component here. But by the time we
1: got to the end of Dominion, I feel like there's not.
0: Correct. I feel like three episodes
1: left, they're probably, I I feel like they have resolved. It's too
0: late to bring Borg stuff in, I think, to do it worth a damn. Just a hell
1: of a lot Of references, you know, and, and I guess yeah. that's ultimately because one of the things that I will say about season three, and we'll, uh, yeah, we are going to jump around a little bit between Dominion yeah. and Bounty. Um, is that I feel like season three helps justify season one a bit, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in that you know, the th- season three could not happen without the whole android body Picard aspect, right. introduced in season one. So, you know, it, it, to a certain extent, even though I am not the biggest fan of season one, I felt it was relatively okay.
0: Well, and I, I kind of feel like, you know, a lot of what season three has done is rehabilitated a lot of stories from before that didn't work, you know, Star Trek nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, there are, they are pulling elements out of nemesis that you're like, Oh, okay. I I guess, I guess that's a interesting idea. Cause you know, there were elements of, of nemesis that I think were interesting concepts. They were just so poorly executed. Um, I, I loved walking around this station and, like, the first thing I'm like, that's Genesis. You know, that's that's the Genesis device. The Klingons would be so unhappy to know that we've got all the Genesis technology and a device just sitting there at the Daystrom Institute. (laughs) (laughs) At the Daystrom Archive. I mean, I'm just like, that is so cool. Tons of Easter
1: eggs in that little scene. And after watching it, it helps clarify... The post credits or the the credit sequence yeah. in Picard because yeah. those are images from Daystrom Institute.
0: Yeah, now I was, I, I really dug the, the the Daystrom Institute piece, and you know, Paul, if uh Star Trek Las Vegas was still a thing, you know the the Star Trek experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't it be great to walk through a simulation of that? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm just like God. That that would be so hot. It would be It'd be great, <laughs> especially on the way to a ride. It could be escape from Dace Dayst- yeah. or something. Well, you know, the, like when you, they had the museum piece there, right. That was a lot of like, you know, artifacts and props and whatnot. Uh, I, I just would love to be able to walk through and, and, and see, you know, those great hollow uh, videos that, that they had, you know, cause you know, they, they did, they did those hollows because it was so expensive to build the props. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for time and expense, uh, so I just I dug all of that. Uh, the I was a little creeped out by the uh, teeth of the tribbles.
1: Oh yeah, you know? I was like,
0: ooh,
1: <laughs> that's new. Yeah, um, but you know the Daystrom
0: Institute, great,
1: but as cool as it was, we saw. An, well, before we before we leave the Daystrom Institute, because you know one the, we, we finally understand how Moriarty came into play, right? Um, in the season, and you know he is the security system on the Daystrom Institute, essentially. Yeah. Or the manifestation of the security system that's run by data slash lore.
0: A slash before slash lol. Yeah.
1: Right? Even though apparently so the other two have basically been
0: Yeah, absorbed. and I want to come back and talk about that, but let, let, let's keep going. Yeah. Um the uh the uh the guy our 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 heroes, you know, Riker and uh Rafi and Worf. Thank you. I drew a blank on who's down there with him. um you know, they have to you know get through all of the the security you know, and so Moriarty's there, you know shooting a firearm at them and this is i i, I had always wondered how Moriarty was going to factor into this because we had seen his images early on in the show hmm. uh you know, in, in the the press for the show uh and I, I I liked how they used him you know i it's we didn't need a whole Moriarty show
1: no it was uh, a fun little well, you know it was a fun little callback but it, it didn't right. overstay its right. welcome
0: and it, well and and I think it made sense mm-hmm. right in, in the context of things you know but it turns out this you know data lore law before hybrid Android humanoid thing yeah uh, is the security system. And uh, I, I thought all of that was fascinating. I, I I really appreciated the callback to Encounter at Farpoint, where uh, you know we see a very young William Riker whistling, mm-hmm. and you know uh, Data not being able to whistle, and you know that the him whistling the tune "Pop Goes the Weasel" is the security clearance. And with the reason why it's the security clearance is that you. Know, the data consciousness recognizes his friends and allows them to get as far as they did. Uh, you know, he's fighting his the overlaying programming from Starfleet. You know, to you know zap them uh, and just you know does a call response to Riker, which unlocks uh, some of the security. I just I thought that was very cleverly written.
1: Yeah, I agree. It th- was it was it was a, it was yeah. a nice scene.
0: Yeah, it really was. But you know, while they're in there, uh the folks back on the USS Titan have to run away because the Fleets found them. And keep in mind that we don't know who our friends are here because the Change Leagues have infiltrated Starfleet. So, uh the USS Titan runs off to uh the Starfleet Museum, the Naval Museum. Uh, where Jordy, you know, Commodore Jordy, mm-hmm. is the, is the, uh, commanding officer. And we get, I, again, this is a, a second new place we get to see where all of these historic starships, uh, are present. Uh, and it also is super cool. Yes. I mean, as much as I like Daystrom, really loved the, uh, Starfleet shipyards. Oh yeah.
1: And seeing Voyager, of course. And yeah.
0: Oh. Well, and we get, you know, as, as Seven is, you know, in a quiet moment on the bridge, she's giving, uh, you know, uh, Jack Crusher kind of a tour of the museum, showing all the different ships that are docked there. And each time she brings one up, in the, in the, the uh, soundtrack to the show shifts to the theme right mm-hmm. of that particular show so you know there there when she does voyager you've got the voyager theme playing when she's showing you know uh, the uh uh, enterprise seventeen o one a i mean you you're getting all of these great callbacks, and I love that Jack Crusher says what we all kind of think is that the the best ship is uh the movie era original crew enterprise right yep. and i mean he's he's like those lines you know? <laughs> and she uh, that ship is gorgeous that ship is just gorgeous, and I appreciated that Jack voiced what we're all thinking. Uh, <laughs> But I was surprised that we didn't see the saucer section from uh, the seventeen oh one D. Right, they didn't you dig know, that we, body up. Yeah, yeah. Why isn't that in your museum? <laughs> or maybe it's back at Daystrom. We don't know. But uh, I, I, I I dug that quite a bit. You know, the fact that you know Defiant was there, and then we talk about, and this is where the name of our episode comes from, the bounty. Which is the name of the Klingon bird of prey that the crew uses in Star Trek IV to return to Earth, and you know they they describe that uh, it took the Starfleet Corps of Engineers forever to find it at the bottom of the ocean, uh, you know there in San Francisco Bay because it was cloaked, um, and that that is the big secret to this episode on how Titan can get out of the jam it's in. Uh, because Jack, with the assistance of Jordy's daughters Sydney and I forget the other one's name, um,
1: yeah, I kind I of forget it. the other one's name as well. Yeah.
0: Anyway, the 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 uh, two LaForge girls uh, assist him in stealing a working cloaking device from the Klingon bird of prey, and uh, you know all the LaForges get together and help install it on the Titan. I uh, really, really thought that was great. That not only were we getting to see these ships, but that these ships were part of the solution. Yeah, you know, I I, just, I, I thought it was it was it was great eye candy. It was a it was a great bit of nostalgia. Uh, well, you like get the what, you know the, the
1: the the name of the episode it has that double meaning, right? Right. Uh, right? Which I thought was great because you know it, in theory the bounty could mean a number of things, but you yeah. know it, in the context of the episode it meant two things, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Well, and I will say that's kind of been what I've dug about the the titles on all of the episodes this season mm-hmm. is that they're they're actually meaningful, right? Um, you know, so many times you you get titles to um, Star Trek episodes, like in the '90s, it would just be the ship, you know, yeah. it, you know, it'd just be it'd be something silly. I mean, you'd occasionally get you know. Uh, titles that meant something you know a specific about the episode like you know Darmok or uh, best of both worlds that kind of thing but you would also get these you know the fight yeah, <laughs> you know I mean, just titles that just no one put any imagination into or you'd get something that's got too much into it uh like in disco some of those titles are so pretentious um uh, that they they just kind of lack the art of titling a Star Trek episode and i feel like the the uh episode titles in this season are just so on point mm-hmm. right yeah you know, they just re- they they're particularly meaningful and sometimes have multiple meanings uh relating to the episode um anything else uh, we want to talk about in uh, this episode or do we want to kick on over uh leave the bounty for uh for uh, dominion i think we're
1: good i think we can leave the bounty for them other than to say you know it was great yeah. to see geordie again um
0: yeah. and you know the big takeaway from the bounty is that we find out that the thing you know they the the changelings stole the portal device that they used to you know destroy the uh, starfleet recruitment center um they they stole that portal device to hide the fact that they also stole Jean Luc Picard's human dead body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, we go into the next episode titled Dominion, I'm wondering, well, what the fuck are they going to do with Jean Luc's body? And I have to confess, Paul, that the strategy that is explained in episode Dominion. Makes no sense to me whatsoever.
1: I don't feel, I feel like that's what they believe it to be. I don't know that that's actually it. Right. I mean, I feel like it hasn't been confirmed. Yeah. Um. Cause yeah, I'm not entire, you know, I, I mean, I figured that the reason they couldn't kill Jack was once they took Picard's body. It's like, okay, well they can't kill Jack because they need his DNA to do something with Picard's body.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I don't get it. Cause here's what I understood from the episode is that, you know, they've got, JLP's, you know, uh dead body, but they need to create a changeling who can impersonate Jean-Luc Picard. And the way they do that is by having his dead body and pulling the living DNA that is strictly Jean-Luc Picard from Jack Crusher to bind both of those things to create a changeling that can pass muster and here's what i don't understand everybody seems to know that jean-luc picard is an android golem right yeah so why i don't yeah understand. wouldn't the
1: dnhx catch that hey this is actually not this
0: is actually a human being right yeah. versus golem picard but, i don't that's what i don't get. i
1: feel like there's more to come right because yeah okay. it doesn't quite Makes sense to me and I feel like and we've asked every time we've asked a question during this season of Picard it has been answered. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I feel like there, there's more to it that's just yet to be revealed. And they they even you know one of the things that um this league or this excuse me this episode ends with um Vadic has taken control of the Titan and she has stated that she is going to reveal the truth behind Jack Crusher's existence. She, she drops a, an interesting note and she says something along the lines of, he wasn't meant for you either, or something like that. Yeah. She, she mentions to Beverly Crusher and I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There's more to Jack than meets the eye. Perhaps he is, he is not the natural. Well, and, of, well,
0: of and they two. do say that perhaps not only Jack, but also Picard have been misdiagnosed Mm -hmm. with their uh, neurological disease. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Right. So there's something interesting going on there because, you know, more and more we're seeing that, uh, you know, we we had seen in previous episodes that Jack intrinsically knew that someone was a changeling. Yep. Right. Uh, You know, he didn't know it in his mind, but he's, you know, it was a gut reaction. Um, and then in this episode, Dominion, we see where he is able to telepathically link with Sydney, Geordie's daughter, otherwise known as Crash, right? Um, and, you know, he is able to keep her alive in a fight with one of those, you know, changeling officers changeling agents yeah and you know so that's also very fascinating but you know he's got this otherworldly sense you know where he's uh uh you know going into the down under and we're seeing all the uh the the rudy stuff you know the upside down i should say yeah Uh, um so you know it's uh you know we've got whereas wesley crusher Uh, The uh, Beverly Crusher's uh, firstborn son has a time traveling ability. Her her baby boy Jack apparently has some sort of supernatural ability as well. So what's going on in Beverly's pants? That's what I want to (laughs) know.
1: (laughs) Apparently, yeah, we need to find out.
0: There is something going on in Beverly's pants. So (laughs) Uh, can I just take a moment to say that this is a terrific season for Gates McFadden. It is. Uh, I, I have really enjoyed her on screen and they've gotten to do so much with her character. And as much as I'm enjoying it, it just makes me feel so bad that I feel like for the most part, she was wasted on Next Generation. And I, you know, I know we we live in a different time where, you know, we we know how to write for women characters in the action adventure dramas, mm-hmm. but you know, it was just so rare that we that we did almost anything with Gates McFadden in the um, Next Generation series. I mean, they did more with Deanna yeah. than they did with Gates McFadden. Well, that was uh, uh,
1: uh, yeah. I mean. And I would say Deanna has been set aside for at least thus far in the season. Yeah. Um, you know, she pops but up at I, the end of the bounty, but.
0: Well, and I do understand that in the last three episodes, she plays a big part. Okay. And so I, I read that uh, just today that, you know, Terry Metalis says, you know, you will be rewarded for waiting for Marina Sirtis because she plays a big, big role in the last three episodes. Okay. Okay.
1: So. You know, it's interesting because, right. um, you know, when, um so. They're really moving the cheese on the whole crew being together,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, because you, you get some of the crew together. But then Riker gets captured just in time for Jordy to come back.
0: Yeah. And for Worf and Rafi
1: to leave. Yeah. For Worf and Rafi to leave. I'm like, are we? I feel Couldn't like we've
0: just sent Rafi off on our own. <laughs> yeah,
1: Rafi could have handled <laughs> so I'm very curious, like, will we actually see the crew all in one
0: room? Probably in the last episode. Yeah, that would be my guess. It'll be on that last shot when their signatures are going across the end credits. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, Aaron, you had mentioned prior to this episode, you had mentioned that you had heard there was a big, big secret surprise cameo in in this week's episode, Dominion. And you had conjectured. Yeah, I,
0: I thought for sure it was Ben Cisco. I thought for sure that we were going to – when the title card came up, Dominion, in the previews, I was like, oh. We're going to get an Avery Brooks cameo, and man, that's going to tear the internet apart. It's going to bring the internet down because Avery Brooks has been outside of Star Trek for so long now. But uh, no, no, we got Tuvok. We got Tuvok, <laughs> and I don't. I don't mean to be to, to sound disappointed there because I, I loved seeing Tuvok on the screen, and I love how arch Tuvok becomes on the screen when we find out that he is a changeling. Yeah. Uh, And I, you know, I hope this promises us, I mean, I want to see, I want to see the impact of, you know, everybody who got replaced by a changeling and, you know, all the terrible things that have happened to them while they were, I guess, in captivity. You know, I always just assume that the changelings would kill the folks that they are uh, impersonating, you know, to make sure that nobody comes across them, right? But... Anyway, I, I i loved I loved the interplay between Seven and Tuvok in this episode.
1: What I find most interesting about you know, the the Tuvok appearance mm-hmm. is, you know, other than Worf, as heavily rooted as this season is in the Dominion War and changelings, right? We have not actually seen anyone other than Worf. That you know, has I was spent I was a decent amount of that's that was in the Dominion
0: War, right? I was thinking about that earlier today because I keep thinking we're going to see more people from Deep Space Nine, and we're running out of time yeah. to make that happen. Well,
1: and we're running but, out of time know, to do it justifiably too, right? So like, right. with only three episodes left, and we still have Deanna Troy, we still have right. get the crew together, we still have a decent um, amount of story left, we still need to know who the main villain is. Right. Um, it would be it feels like it would be doing a disservice unless one of the DS nine characters is the main villain to see that, um, to just like jam Avery Brooks in for the final two episodes right. or something right, right. like that, you know, or Kira. <laughs>
0: well, and I, and I think if you're getting a, if you're bringing somebody like Avery Brooks in, uh, if you're going to have him do anything, you'd bring him in earlier. I mean, I think it would just be a cameo at this point, yeah. but to your point, you know, I keep thinking we're going to get, you know, a, uh, Nana visitor or a, um, uh, you know, Siddig or, you know, Colomini. Uh, and that's seeming less and less likely now. But, you know, I was thinking about, to your point, why we haven't seen more DS9 guys. And I feel like what star trek picard is answering is that question like well what was the enterprise doing during the dominion war
1: Mm, right yeah
0: and 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 while we're not seeing that we're kind of seeing an enterprise crew reaction to the dominion war and i was thinking about why the villains are so satisfying this season uh particularly around you know we we talked before about you know the gangster vulcan uh how much you know uh we disliked captain shaw at the beginning of the season and in particular the changelings i mean i think about it in the context of world war 1 uh, in terms of the dominion war um and how the seeds of world war 1 is what fed world war 2 and that's what i feel like this is i mean I th- and i think it's that That familiarity with the villains, but yet it's a whole different take on the villain. Uh, I I think that's part of why it's so satisfying. It feels there is a certain historical Mm -hmm. authenticity uh, to this season of Star Trek. And it's something that, that Star Trek is not particularly good at but that is really working and resonating here. It's the reason why Star Trek II the Wrath of Khan works as well as it does because it feels organic to to the to the world and storytelling that that has got, come before. Uh you know, and I'm not talking about just the nostalgia of it. It's just, you know, you're pulling organic villains out of your prior, from your prior stories. And that's what I think I'm responding to so much. And I think that's what everybody is responding to here is that it just feels so textured and deep. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm i really digging this. I'm really digging this. And we we get to find out why, and to that point, we get to find out why Vadik is as awful as she is.
1: Yes, we do. That's a nice review, we because th- I, I, I kind of thought that they would pull the foot off the gas for episode uh-huh. seven. And they did a little bit, especially after, I mean, yeah. it, it was hard to top episode six with all the Easter eggs and the right. and the action. So episode seven, while it still has a sizable amount of action, I would, I would call it a, ease off of the gas, right? Because now right we're getting into the final three i'm assuming episode eight will be the big bad reveal episode nine the big battle leading into episode 10 where it wraps up and you have your denouement uh, or denouement sorry
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like your denouement, denouement. <laughs> denouement. <laughs> 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 um, wow you know what I oh, meant. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. You know, i I was in a uh, a uh, high school play. It was my very first high school play, by the way. And uh, I was playing Mr. Depina in You Can't Take It With You. And <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was in a rehearsal, and the line is, you know, they're 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 meeting this guy. And the line is, weren't you being indicted or something? And I read it. My read was, weren't you being indicted or something? Because I had no idea what indicted was. <laughs> and everyone laughed at the stupid sophomore who didn't know anything.
1: <laughs> well, now you can. Now you know how to say it, and you know how to say de nouveau. <laughs> But I feel like that's our next three episodes, right? Um, so so while i do feel like they eased off of the the gas a little bit um we did certainly get the background uh, of of Vadic but we still don't know who the yeah. big bad is
0: but you know the uh the the secret origins that we've gotten this season you know particularly captain shaw and Vadic have been so satisfying yeah uh, i mean like everything became clear to me when shaw tells us you know About his experience at Wolf 359. Uh, And everything becomes clear to me about why Vatic is so fucking unhinged when uh, she talks about her experience during the Dominion War and the experiments that were performed on her by Section 31. I mean, it's it's very Joseph Mm Mingala. I was just like, And, you know, and again... There is a connection to prior stories in Star Trek, not just Dominion War, but in Odo's origin, because, you know, Odo had a problem with the way his the Bajoran scientist who discovered him treated him when he was just a little blob of goo, you know, and talked about, you know, how he would be, uh, you know, electroshocked and heated up and Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. But, of course, Section 31 turned all of that to 11. So, you know, it's. Again, organic to the stories we've told previously yep. uh, it's not completely out of character uh, for the Star Trek universe, and again, i'm just very thankful for the thoughtful way in which we are approaching uh, the storytelling here and so, at the end of this episode, Vatic has seized control of the u s s Titan mm-hmm. you know all the big plans have gone awry uh they are they are in the maw of the monster. And uh, that monster is Vatic. You know, Paul, you were talking about who is the ultimate big bad here. And if a Rene Obershinoise were still with us, I would say it was probably Odo.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I, 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 feel, I absolutely agree. But this was definitely filmed after his passing.
0: Correct. Correct. And, you know, I just... I'm like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's somebody we know.
1: It has to be. You can't. Yeah. You, you know. First of all, it's P- the finale of Picard's journey, right? Right. Um. So it's got to be someone you know. I feel like it, if it's not someone connected to Picard somehow, all right. it would be tragic. But you know, kind of given our conversation about how the Enterprise was not in the Dominion War, um, it's it, and this is so deeply rooted in in that. I, you know, it, it's like, is this going to be someone that the fans will appreciate, or will it truly be someone from Picard's past? And that—that that I can't answer yet because I, I just don't yeah. know which way they're going to go with it. Same, but yeah, I Same. mean, obviously, for me, the the obvious answer would be someone involved in DS Nine, right? Because that—that that was your Dominion War show. I can't imagine it being anyone else. Yeah, that that, that one, the Changelings would would actually take orders from. Yeah, but. Well, find, I, 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 I'm figuring we will find out in this coming week's episode.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm su- I'm super excited for this. I just the show just gets better and better. It does. I honestly, I think the weakest show was like episode two in this season. Yeah, uh, and. and not a weak, not a particularly weak show. Just in comparison to all of these other just blockbuster episodes, um, you know, it just didn't didn't line up as the the same level of awesome that the rest of them did. I mean, really, there's there's not a bad episode in the bunch so far. No, agreed. So three more to go. Right. Let's see if it sticks the landing. That's right. Well, hey, Paul, it was great talking Star Trek with you today.
1: Yeah, it was I. Right. <laughs> no, was you a, know it was awesome it was awesome and hopefully right. you dear listener thought it was awesome as well if you did make sure to give us some feedback either on our hotline or on social media aaron what's that hotline number
0: 682-800-3494 that number once again 682-800-3494 and if we use your voicemail on the show you could win a coveted valuable ideology of madness surprise or a golem of your own. You can get a golem of your own. You, you never could. know.
1: You could. Yeah. Uh, you can get a moxie of your own, but not from us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also hit us up on social media I O M Geek on Facebook, Instagram,
0: and Twitter. What a deal. Well, hey, Paul, let's do this all over again next week. Absolutely. We will see you Don't all then. Let's do it. Uh, bye. <laughs> bye. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open. 682 800 Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.